Welcome to the Fundraising Freedom Podcast, the place to be educated, encouraged, and empowered to raise more funds and have more freedom. I'm Mary Valoni, your host, and today we are talking with Jonathan Rowe, who is a nonprofit coach and trainer from Arizona. He has been doing this for over a decade and he is a wealth of information. I was very fortunate to have a mutual friend who connected us. And when we got a chance to talk about fundraising and our, our shared passion for fundraising, it was a really great fit for us to, to jump on today's conversation and just talk about fundraising, talk about the climate of what's going on today, and maybe what can we do to navigate through all this. So um, welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What a crazy season we're in, huh? <laughs> it, it sure is. And um, obviously it's a different world for, for nonprofits these days, trying to, trying to figure out the challenges and, and, and what the new normal is. Fundraising uh, certainly looks a lot different these days than it did just a few months ago, right? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, tell us a little bit about your background more than, you know, what I just shared. I know, I mean, you run your own business, have an organization called Venture uh, One Nine, but yeah. you you do your fundraising a little bit different as you actually run a nonprofit. Uh, and so I'd love to just for you to be able to share a little bit more about your background and what you do in fundraising. So yeah, as you mentioned, I've been a, a nonprofit trainer and coach here in the Phoenix, Arizona area. For, uh, for over a decade, um, which has been uh, just wonderful. Um, you know from your experience, I, I believe, uh, as I'm sure you know, I believe some of the greatest leaders on the planet are, are running great nonprofits that, uh, that are doing so much good out there to help other people. And so it's such a blessing to be connected with so many great leaders and so many different organizations out here. And, and yeah, as you mentioned, I'm the, the founder and CEO of an organization called Venture One Nine. And uh, what we do is we, we journey with nonprofits uh, out here in the Phoenix area. Uh, our focus is primarily faith-based nonprofits. So we journey with a lot of faith-based nonprofits. And the main ways that we do that is we provide uh, training, coaching, and granting uh, to these organizations uh, completely for free. So we're a nonprofit ourselves, and so we, we raise our own money, and then we take those resources, and we turn all of that into uh, training materials, uh, workshops, webinars. Uh, we use those resources to coach a lot of organizations one-on-one, -on -one, and we even give some grant money away as well. So it is a little bit of a unique model because uh, everything we do, we do for, for nonprofits for free. Yeah, I love it. Well, it was so much fun when we connected because it was like, okay, we do very similar things, but I run as a business and you run as a nonprofit. And I love how we both are, yeah, serving different populations, but also doing very similar work. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we had so many, yeah, I, I think that day we could have spent a, a, a lot longer time on the phone. It was a, a real easy conversation and, uh, yeah. I hung up just so encouraged just to, to learn more about your, your work as well. And, and uh, I, I just believe so much good is happening through so many nonprofits around the country and any way that, that we can sort of infuse that, help them become healthier, stronger, more sustainable, then uh, their work's going to reach the next level. More people are going to be uh, helped. And 
and, uh, and that's what it's all about. And that's one of our main focal points, really, is our, our training and our coaching. Everything that we're doing is helping organizations become uh, uh, healthier, stronger, and more financially sustainable through uh, understanding what it really means to fundraise the right way from our standpoint, what it means to fundraise, even from a biblical perspective and what the Bible has to say about that. And so we teach on a lot of different organizational topics, but, uh, uh, but fundraising and development is, is really our sweet spot. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, how did you get into fundraising? Like, why are you so passionate about it? I, I always am curious because as you know, nobody says I want to be a fundraiser <laughs> when I grow up. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I would say one of the reasons I think I'm real passionate about fundraising, it, it provides, right, if you fundraise effectively, then you're not just generating resources, but you're, you're raising up people as well, right, to be connected in a meaningful way with your work as a nonprofit. And, and when you end up with resources, financial and people resources, right, ultimately, uh, that's what's going to help your nonprofit get to the next level. You're going to be more sustainable. You're going to be healthy. And it's, it's not just the financial resources. I, I, I work with groups all the time, as I'm sure you do as well, and they think that their number one need is a whole bunch of money right now. When I dig in, I, I say, oh, I mean, you're, you're not even ready for a whole bunch of money right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, so, yeah, you, you need resources. Um, uh, it certainly takes dollars, right, to make, uh, to make programming happen, but, uh, uh, but you need a bunch of great people uh, with you as well, certainly financial partners, but also high-level volunteers and people who are connected in a meaningful way with the work, and so to me, fundraising helps to make all of that happen, and occasionally I'll say to a, uh, to a leader, fundraising is actually even more important than your programming. And, and they'll say, what are you talking about? I mean, like, like our programming is what's changing lives. And I, I'll break it down, you know, into a simple little formula. And I'll say, well, okay, I mean, if, you, if you're not spending time uh, fundraising the right way, then you're not going to be able to generate that half a million dollars that you need. And if you don't generate that half a million dollars that you need, then it's only a matter of time before your programming is going to go away. And so uh, uh, to me, Fundraising is, uh, is perhaps the most important piece and certainly a key, as you know, to health, strength, sustainability, and, and longevity with nonprofits. I just read this week that Forbes said that a high percentage of nonprofits that are chartered in the United States will only last three to five years. And the main reasons that they will only last three to five years are because they, they don't have sustainable funding, they don't have a legitimate strategic plan, they don't have the direction that they need that a strategic plan brings, and they also fail because of uh, leadership challenges. Uh, and of course, when I read that, I'm like, uh, of course. Those are all the main pieces, especially uh, the sustainable financial side of things. And it went on to say that uh, if a nonprofit gets past the five-year mark, 30%, of all nonprofits that are uh, started and chartered, 30% of those are going to fail within 10 years. So I think all those are the reasons why I'm, I'm passionate about fundraising because uh, we want to see these great organizations that have great missions, great visions. They're helping so many people. 
We want to see them be sustainable and be around, not for a few years, but for a long time so that more people can benefit from their services. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I was reading a stat myself about, you know, just eight out of 10 small businesses go under. Yeah. And I mean, eight out of 10 small businesses, okay. That stat is the exact same for nonprofits. I mean, like eight, eight out of 10 are not going to make it. And because they're not willing to put the time and energy into these things that you just mentioned. I mean, yeah, you don't have a plan. Well, why, yeah. why would you survive? And you don't have any money. Like what business, what nonprofit can survive without money in the bank? <laughs> like, <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the three to five years makes sense to me because, um, uh, sometimes leaders will they'll launch a work and they'll end up with some seed money or, or, or some launch money or different yeah. things like that. And they just get in the trenches and they start grinding out the programming and helping a lot of people, which is fantastic. But if they don't spend time balancing out that model and spending time on the fundraising side, right, what happens three to five years in or probably even sooner, they peek their head out of the trenches a little bit and look around and they go, oh, no. We're, we're, we're going to be out of money soon. Yeah. And they haven't spent the time uh, generating uh, and developing sort of a, a, a fundraising and, and partner development culture. And as a result, they just spent a few years spending money that they had. And now that's gone and they have no systems in place to, uh, to continue the work moving forward. So I, I really get I really get the three to five year time frame. I've, I've seen it so often, just like I'm sure you have as well. Yeah. Okay. So how can we turn things around? How can we, like, I just know you and I obviously are, are talking to a lot of organizations, but I would love to hear your perspective just on what are you seeing that's actually working where people are able to create sustainability? Because I mean, yeah, you can have a flash in the pan, great fundraiser here or yeah. there, but I mean, in the climate that we're in right now, like you can't get away with that. And yeah. so what, it, what are you seeing and what do you teach to uh, give people the ability to turn things around? Well, I, I would say a few things to that. Um, certainly, if nonprofits want to be around for a long period of time, they've got to have uh, various healthy streams of income, right? If a nonprofit is running their entire operation off of, you know, five families that are providing major gifts, um, it's great that they've got those families and it's great that they've got those major gifts. But obviously, anytime an organization shares a model like that with me, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, okay, uh, that's great that you have that, but man, you're, you're really on thin ice. Or, or organizations that will say, oh, we're funded uh, primarily uh, uh, by grants. Um, you know, our model is 80%, you know, grant heavy kind of thing. And again, I'll say um, it's great that you can get those grants, but those are just a little economic shift, you know, away from going away. And so, you know, what would happen if things uh, uh, change direction a little bit? So I think various healthy streams of income from a nonprofit standpoint, right? In the nonprofit world, Mary, this is interesting. I say to my, my, my friends who are pastors, I say, uh, you guys think you have it tough? I said, what if I, what if I would tell you as a pastor, you're not allowed to get all of your people together on weekends and you're not allowed to take offerings to raise money. I said, what if, what if that was your new model? And I still said, okay, now go raise your $1 million, $2 million, $5 million you know, that you need to raise this year. And of course, my pastor friends are like, well, what? That would be impossible. And I'm like, that's the world of nonprofit leaders. Nonprofits raise money in a few ways, 
right? You've got events, you've got communications, you've got online giving, you've got major gifts, you've got monthly giving, you've got grant writing, maybe you have church partnerships, and maybe you can add, you've got fee-for-service, maybe you've got a few things you could add to that list. And that's pretty much the list. And so I think nonprofits need to examine that and say, what are some potential uh, growth areas for us? What are some, uh, some potential uh, income stream areas for us? And work to focus in on those and try to grow those a little bit. And so, so I would say look at income streams. What are the right ones for you? How can you raise money most effectively? And how can you grow those potentially to the next level? That's one thing I would say. The other thing I would say, which I've already hinted on a little bit here, is focus on the raising up of people. More than dollars, you need to raise up people. Because if, if you have people with you, right, certainly some are going to be financial partners, but even the ones that, that are not, but they're still meaningfully connected with your work, uh, they're going to help drive it forward as well. I was talking to an organization out here in the Phoenix area a while back, a fairly young organization, I would say, I would say run by young leaders. They said, well, uh, we sort of focus on fundraising, I guess. Uh, they said, it's just that we don't really call it that. They said, we, we focus on, and this was the phrase they used, uh, used, they said, we focus on growing our tribe. They said, we try to connect more people year in and year out in a meaningful way with our work than we're connected the year before. And so for us, we, we ask and answer that question. How can we connect people with us uh, in a meaningful way? As a result of that, partnership happens, great things happen. People feel like, right, they're sort of called to be a part of this work. Financial resources follow that, and, and that whole piece begins, you know, to, uh, to roll forward and, and work together. So explore potential income streams and a real focus on not just the raising up of, of dollars, but, but the raising up of people. So good. And, you know, Jonathan, raising up people, I, I don't know why, especially in, you know, working with faith-based organizations versus, um, you know, your 501c3 non-religious organizations. I find that the non-religious organizations tend to get the volunteerism pretty well that it's like, okay, we need to, you know, recruit a lot of volunteers to come in and they're going to help us for some reason. And because you're, you do sit in that faith-based bucket, that, that work, why, why do you think that is that, you know, for an organization that is, you know, organizations that are used to doing things in groups and, and, you know, especially with churches meeting regularly, I, I just find that so many of them are like, feel like they're on, on it on their own. Like they're trying to go it alone. And I don't yeah. know if you see the same thing in, in that space as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that a lot of it comes down to how much as a nonprofit leader, do you really believe in the work that you're doing, not just to change the lives of the people you're serving, but the way it will change the lives of the people who are connected with the work as well. And so um, I see this, Mary, in fundraising also, where I will attend an event and the organization will spend 75 minutes talking about all the incredible things that are happening. And, and right, I work a lot with faith-based organizations, so they'll highlight 
everything that they feel like God is doing through their work and through their nonprofit ministry. And they'll share uh, stories about life change and show videos and write your in tears, you know, because of all the work that's being done. And then there's this really interesting dynamic where they get to the end of all that. And all of a sudden it comes time to ask for financial resources and they begin to apologize for asking people to give. And I sit there and I think to myself, I don't, I don't understand that. Your work is, is so incredible. So many great things are happening through it. Why are you not shouting from the mountaintop at this point? Hey, this is an incredible opportunity for you to, uh, to help drive this work forward and to get connected with it as a financial partner, maybe as a volunteer and different things like that. I think when, when we see our work and our fundraising as transactional, we're trying to get something from you. And if we're successful, you give something to us. As a result, we have more, you have less, and we all go our separate ways. That's the complete opposite of how I see fundraising, especially from a, a, from a biblical perspective. It's, it's about what can we do together? And, and how are we going to be changed together as a result of doing this work? And so I think to, to get back to your original question, I think that plays into to asking for volunteers as well. We've got to recognize the incredible opportunities that we have. People are looking to be involved in meaningful work, and we have those opportunities for them. And so I don't understand why we're not celebrating that, again, shouting that from the mountaintop, and really looking at it as the opportunities that we're providing people who I think are looking for opportunities. I would totally agree with that. Well, and I, I forget that, you know, I mean, I think a lot of organizations forget that they are the gatekeeper yeah. and that no one can say, hey, I want to serve in this volunteer role without you inviting them in. And so I think that that is really a great piece of advice here is just the fact that it's like, please do not apologize, you know? Well, and and you're, you're right, non-faith-based or non-religious organizations seem to get this way better, right? My, my kids, right, go to school. The school reaches out, and it's like they don't even give you the option. They're like, okay, you need to volunteer this many hours, you know, this year, and you need to uh, bring in all these supplies for your kid's classroom and all that kind of stuff. And sure, it's going to cost you some money, but this is what we're all doing together, and it's going to, you know, bring about a great end result and all that. And so for some reason, we just tend to shy away from that. And, and I don't know if it's that we don't believe enough in our own work as nonprofit leaders, but I also think it's philosophical. If we don't think we're in it together, if we think that, that it's our work, our job, and we see donors just as donors, right? Like it's your job to donate, our job to receive, and then we'll get going and maybe we'll circle back and let you know, you know, the good that's, you know, happened. Maybe we won't. If you look at it that way, then to me, I understand maybe why, you know, people might apologize or be a little bit more bashful or, or steer clear of asking for money. Um, but to me, that's not the right approach. It's about us together, the great work we're doing, benefiting the community, helping people in need. And, uh, and when we look at it that way, uh, from a together mentality and not uh, your donors and we're receivers, then to me, it creates a whole different dynamic. But, but that's, really, that's really philosophical. And so I, I, one of the things I would say to nonprofit leaders is, 
is where are you with that? You know, what's your philosophy of giving and receiving and connecting people in a meaningful way? And, and uh, or are you just trying to transactionally bottom line money for your budget? And if you are, you may get some money for a while, but it's not any type of formula for longevity and sustainability. Yeah, totally agree. And that's the thing. We want people to be with us for the long haul. And exactly. if, if it's just yep. a transaction and yeah. they're doing you a favor, they, they can smell that out and they, they don't like it either. They don't want to be a, given a handout. Uh, they want to be in partnership yeah. with, with the organization. So really good. So for those who are just getting started, who, who are you know maybe just uh, trying to get their arms wrapped around fundraising, what kind of advice would you give them? I know you mentioned making sure that you have a variety of healthy streams of income, engaging yeah. those volunteers. But if you're just getting started, uh, do you have any um, advice as to what they could do just to, to take their yeah, fundraising? Yeah, groups come to me, groups come to me all the time they're getting ready to start work and there are two things that i i say right away and and one is uh and this comes from me asking the question on a regular basis when people come and they're wanting to start work and i say tell me what you're going to do and 20 minutes later they they cannot explain their work to me and i'm you know uh, i'm sort of glazed over at that point and i've got to ask a, a million more questions just to figure it out and so I say all that to say that every organization, but certainly startups and small to mid-sized organizations, you have to be straight on your message. You have to know who you are, what you're doing, what you're not going to do, how, how resources are going to be spent, what's going to happen over the next 12 to 18 to 24 months. And I throw the statistic out in workshops all the time. I've been doing it for 10 years. It's gotten to the point where I say to everybody, you know what I'm about to say. And I really stand by this. In 10 years, I'm not kidding. I would say that, that nine out of every 10 nonprofits that I've connected with and I've worked with do not have their messaging figured out in the way that it needs to be figured out. And so the, the first thing that's got to happen is you've got to be able to articulate what your work is, why you're doing it, um, is there a problem out there that you're trying to solve? Uh, is that why you exist? I read a quote a while back. I don't even remember who it was from. And I don't know that I agree 100% with it, but I love the concept. And the concept was when somebody gives money to your nonprofit organization, they are hiring your organization to solve a problem. And I actually really like that. Mm -hmm. um, so... Right, what problem are you trying to solve? What are you trying to figure out? How are you gonna better the community? So messaging to me is, uh, uh, is really, really significant. And I just am constantly blown away by the fact that people who are leading their own nonprofits cannot articulate their work clearly. And I say, if you can't articulate your work clearly and explain the difference it's gonna make and how dollars are gonna be spent, there's just no chance you're going to be able to raise up people and raise up money for that. So messaging is massive in my mind. Uh, um, uh, okay. I hope everybody just heard that. Okay. Because, <laughs> because I mean, seriously, I, I always, you know, say that clarity attracts confusion repels. Yeah, and yeah. if you are confusing, they will say, Oh, good on you. That's so great that you're working Absolutely. on that. And they're gone. They're not yeah. pulling out their wallet. Yeah. <laughs> they are not giving. I always say to organizations, look, a lot of people are going to say no, and that's okay. 
but you never want them to say no because they're confused or they don't understand. And so I, again, I just can't stress that enough over a decade of in the trenches with nonprofits and, and I stand by the percentage of nine out of 10. So I think for, for sure that's what needs to happen. The other thing I would say, um, and I'll flesh this out a little bit because I've already brought up the point and I'll just use this catchphrase. I always tell new organizations, set goals connected with donors rather than dollars. And what I mean by that is a lot of organizations think I've got to go raise $50,000 as quickly as I can. And I understand, right, you need resources. And a lot of times if you're a startup, you need launch money and seed money and all that kind of stuff. So that's absolutely uh, important. But when you only set goals connected with dollars, here's the danger. The danger is if you say, I need to raise $50,000 by the end of quarter two in 2020, you might go have a lunch with somebody tomorrow and they might write you a check for $50,000. And if your goal was to raise $50,000, then as a leader, you go back and you think, I did it, right? I can check off that box. And so, so now I'm good. And you don't focus more on the raising up of people. And so on the other hand, if you set goals uh, connected with donors or people, I always point organizations in this direction. I say, and I'll connect this back to the income streams. Let's say, uh, right, you want to have a healthy major donor income stream. And so, uh, so I'll say to organizations, here's what I think you should focus on. Don't focus on how to raise up your next $50,000. Focus on how to raise up your next 50 people. And so maybe five of those are going to be brand new major donors for you. Maybe 10 of those are going to be brand new monthly partners for you. Maybe five of those are going to be foundations, and so you're going to need to research and write some grants. Set goals connected with raising up 50 people or 50 financial partners, and then, right, when you think like that, it forces a number of questions. And the questions are, Things like, who are these people and where are they? And how do I connect with them? And how do I get in front of them? And when I get in front of them, what's my message going to be? And all that kind of stuff. And when you begin to work through all of those questions, you're developing what I see as your fundraising strategy. And, and so uh, all that leads to fundraising, just what I call fundraising activity thinking, which leads to fundraising strategy, which ultimately leads to the raising up of people. And Mary, that is so different than if you just say, my goal is to raise $50,000. Because if that's your goal, the very first thing that's gonna pop into your mind, I see this all the time, is, man, is there anybody out there I can get $50,000, right? And and that's all you think about. Instead of uh, how to raise up more people, answering the questions, creating strategy, and doing the work of fundraising. So in my mind, messaging, and then my little catchphrase is set goals connected with donors rather than dollars, and begin to uh, to flesh out that strategy. Really good. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah, really good information because, you know, I, I like to remind people that I want people to know, like, and trust me as a person who works for an organization. I want yeah. them to know, like, and trust our organization. And I, you're always trying to open up a door to a relationship that will actually, like, I don't, I mean, you can meet somebody who's a kid today, but that kid is going to eventually 
you know, get a career, have a job, have a family. They're, they're eventually, you know, going to want to leave a legacy somewhere. And so if you depend only on the $50,000, you're never going to invest in that young person who could move through your organization and eventually leave their will and millions and millions of dollars to you down the, down the line. You never know. Yeah, a hundred, a hundred percent. And even if you're successful to circle back on something we talked about earlier, even if you're successful in raising up a bunch of 10, 15, 25, $50,000 gifts, you can't live off of those. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not sustainable. And you get caught in the, the cycle of, okay, I raised $50,000 at a lunch yesterday. So now I'm done for this quarter. I'm going to spend that $50,000 this quarter. And as soon as that $50,000 is gone, now you're starting to think, how do I get my next $50,000? Because I've got to replace that $50,000. Yeah. And so it's, it's just not sustainable. The other thing from a sustainability standpoint, if given the choice, you want more people at lower dollar amounts. And that's why uh, we're seeing a lot of organizations now, even high-level organizations with budgets in the millions, focusing on raising up their next 100 givers at $25 a month because they know that builds partnership and sustainability. And I read a stat a while back on monthly giving that was really interesting. It said if a, if a person commits a reasonable gift to your organization, meaning a gift that they don't have to think too much about, a reasonable monthly gift by auto withdrawal or credit card, that five years later, 90% of those individuals are still supporting the work of your organization. So I think sometimes we're so focused, and, and major gifts are important, but we can't live off of uh, we can't live off of them, but we get so focused on the major gifts or the mega gifts, and we almost we almost like don't even have time, right, for the person who wants to give, you know, $25, you know, or maybe $25 a month. When in some ways, I think that should be one of our main focal points. I agree. So many larger organizations, I mean, even like you said, the 501c3 non-religious runs are moving from those annual fundraisers, those events over to the monthly giving because it is more sustainable. And so, oh yeah, I totally agree with you. So yeah. um, man, we, you and I can talk for days. On yeah. This. <laughs> this is just like our first phone call. <laughs> I know. So, okay. So just to wrap things up, cause we are coming up on time is just, yeah. you know, this, this show is all about, you know, my, my message is all on fundraising freedom. And I'm just curious as a fundraiser, what, what is, fundraising freedom, when you hear that, what does that mean to you? Freedom in the area of fundraising. Let me start by saying the opposite. And that is you are not going to experience fundraising freedom when you are a slave to the bottom line. And so uh, I think that that uh, sometimes nonprofits just get so focused on the dollar amount that needs to be raised, right? We've got it. We've got a bottom line, a bunch of money. And, and again, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We need resources to do the programming, so it's extremely important. But when that's the focus, then all of a sudden what happens is uh, uh, if we're not bottom lining money quickly enough, we start to feel pressure. We start to get nervous. We start to push a little harder. We start to violate some donor relationships 
because in our heart of hearts, we know it's probably not time, right, as we're cultivating this relationship to ask this person for a gift of this size, but I'm focused on me. I'm focused on my bottom line and the money that I need. And so we'll break through that and we'll push, you know, push through and ask for a gift that, that, that maybe the timing isn't right. And so I think uh, the flip side of that is understanding that you're, uh, you're raising money to do, uh, to do great work. People journey with you uh, in different ways, at different paces. There are different mile markers. And so we've got to seek to understand our givers, our partners, our donors, so that we're engaging and having the right conversations, giving them the right opportunities uh, at the right time, and understanding that things take time. We can't raise all the money that we need to raise by next Friday. That's just not, that's just not how it works. So I think we've got to understand the process and recognize that a lot of fundraising is really outside of our, our control. And we've got to respect the journeys of our givers and our potential givers and different things like that and seek to understand where they are and, and just try to, try to rest in that. And the other thing I would say logistically is set your budget correctly. <laughs> I'll see a lot of nonprofits, they'll program and, and raise their programming to a level that requires their budget to grow by an additional 33% in the next 12 months. And then they start trying to raise all this money and people aren't giving it. And they come back and they go, I can't, I can't get anybody to give. Well, it's not really that you can't get people to give. It's just that you sort of outpaced your people. You set your, your budget too high and your base isn't ready for that. So um, I think all of that will help put things in rhythm a little bit and you'll experience less stress, hopefully be a little bit more financially free. And the other thing is uh, an ideal, of course, with a lot of faith-based nonprofits. So one of the things we say out here is you just have to trust God with the results. And so some people aren't going to be ready. It's not going to be the right opportunity. And you're going to get no's. And, and that's okay. So uh, trust in that, uh, respect where people are. And to me, you begin to put all of that together then hopefully you'll breathe a little easier, sleep a little easier. You won't feel as much pressure. Yeah, so true. And especially this time that we are in right now, you know, like there are people who are like, oh my gosh, freaking out because yeah. they weren't ready for this, or maybe they were just gearing up for a big fundraiser. And so uh, right. that's where just based on the, the comment that you just made, you know, that it's like, it takes time. And mm -hmm. if you just continue to stay the course and keep doing the things that Jonathan and I teach you, <laughs> you know, because yeah, exactly. you know, it is, it's about a relationship. And sometimes those relationships, you know, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it, you know, they're, they're doing well, sometimes they're not, but when you're in it together, you know, some are going to do well, some are going to do not so well, but in the end, it usually evens out pretty good. So uh, that's yeah. where I, I try and remind people, don't make any assumptions right now about what is going on in people's worlds, because we know that some businesses are doing well, some not so much, right? You know, and some individuals are struggling, some not so much, you know, so you just, you just never know, but you continue to build relationships with individuals and, and you'll, you know, be able to, to really still continue to succeed year after year so yeah and, yeah and I just and I'll just reiterate one thing you just said yeah 
It's about building genuine relationships with people and not always thinking, what do I need as a leader? What does our nonprofit need? One of the things I like to say is don't always think about what you want from somebody. Think about what you have as an organization for people. And so that includes your donors as well. Again, the goal isn't to try to get them to just give you a bunch of money. They want a meaningful connection. And, and so, you know, what does that look like? And, and in, in my world, uh, Mary, sometimes I'll sit down with really high net worth people and they'll say, I've got a, a bunch of money to give away and I want to do that. You know, can you, can you help me do that? And I always start those conversations in the same place. And I always simply say, hey, tell me a little bit about what you want to accomplish through your giving. I'll deal with a lot of faith-based people. So how do you feel like God's leading you right now? Is there something that you want to get done? Is there something that you're passionate about? So to me, it has to start there with a total focus on the giver and what they're trying to figure out and what they want to get done and maybe even what they feel like God's calling them to do. And then how can we help them reach their potential as givers? And that's a much different mindset to always trying to sell yourself and talk about this is how much we need and this is our bottom line and you give a bunch of that money to us and that kind of thing. And so to me, really seek to understand your people, what's in their heart, what their lives look like and what they're trying to get done. Um, and, and, how, and how maybe you can help with that through connecting them in a meaningful way with, with your nonprofit work. Awesome. Awesome. It's like just finding that perfect fit, you know, that, you know, they, they got a round peg, go find the round hole, (laughs) you know, like where, where is, and if it's a good fit for your cause, that's awesome. You know, like, but I often tell, especially people who are in the fundraising role that I'm like, part of our job is just being really creative. Mm-hmm. you know, and being great listeners that we're paying attention yes. to what somebody wants to give to. And sometimes you are not the right fit for them. Exactly. hundred uh, yep. percent. And, some, and yep. sometimes it's better just to be like, you know what? I need to introduce you to my friends over here. I, th- I think that you and them could be, they could, you could be a really great fit. And, and do you know, do you know why a lot of leaders won't do that or feel like they can't do it? Because they're focusing on bottom line and money. And so they would never think, I'm going to make a right connection for you with this nonprofit over here because I think it fits you better. They're thinking, I need some of your money. So how can I I get some? Um, And I love what you just said there. We do so much talking and sometimes so much selling. And we just need to listen better. And um, I think it was Penelope Burke, certainly a fundraising expert out there, She said something years ago that I've never forgotten. She said, we have some of the greatest conversations with our donors when we are talking to them when we are not asking for money. And I love that because we've got to seek to understand the people that we're connected with, understand their heart, values, what they want to get done, and then help them make the perfect connections. And like you said, it might be with us. It might be with a nonprofit down the street. And if it's with a nonprofit down the street, then, then make that happen as well. 
Yeah. And usually what it is, is it's like, they might even just want to restrict a donation to a particular part of your cause. And they don't want to spend money on that thing, but they'd like to spend money on that thing. And you're like, okay, well, we can make that happen. You know, it's just paying attention. So I mean, just another great point because we miss out on gifts because right. We're not listening to maybe an area of passion that they have uh, where they want to infuse a specific project or program that we're putting on because we're too busy saying we're trying to raise money specifically for a, and they're not interested in a, they're interested in B, but we never find that out because we're, we're not having those conversations and we're not listening. So yeah, that's a great point. So true. Oh, on that note. Okay. So Jonathan, if somebody wanted to connect with you, what's, what's the best way that they could reach out or if they live in the, in the Phoenix area and want to connect with you, Yes, certainly if they're out in this area, uh, yeah, I would love to grab a cup of coffee and connect. But no matter where you are, I would say the easiest way is just go to the website, uh, venture19.org, and uh, you can just message me uh, there through the contact um, portion of the site, venture19.org, and I'll get back to you uh, through through there, and we'll, uh, we'll connect. But yeah, and happy to... Uh, happy to just continue conversations with any nonprofit leaders out there that have maybe heard something here and they want to talk through some things or, or whatever. Happy to spend the time. Awesome. And then, so any parting advice that you'd like to give to people who are, who are on the fundraising journey? Keep at it because uh, your timeline uh, isn't always the timeline. So, so uh, trust the process, trust, trust in what you're doing and just understand that you're not going to get everything done by next Friday. So give yourselves grace as leaders and, uh, and just continue the journey. And if you do fundraising the right way, it's not a necessary evil. It's actually a really fun part of your nonprofit work and a really meaningful part uh, because you're focused on people and helping people connect. So enjoy that part of the journey and, uh, Give yourselves grace and, uh, uh, and just, just trust the timeline, trust the process. Yeah. Oh, so good. And it's so fun to chat with you, Jonathan, because I'm like, I, I have to remind people that there are people besides me out there in the world who love fundraising, yeah. <laughs> who, are, who, are called, <laughs> who are called to teach and, and to train on this stuff. And so, Jonathan, what a joy to have you on the show today. Thank you for taking the time and for really imparting so much great wisdom uh, for the people who are listening here. So thank you for joining us. And um, guys, just like Jonathan said, do not give up, you know, and, and, do, and just that timeline. I mean, be, be gracious with yourself as you work through it. But I just encourage everybody to keep um, knocking on doors, having conversations. Obviously, the doors are not the same doors we're talking about here. Yeah. <laughs> they, today, yeah. they may be uh, Zoom right. video calls and uh, texting yeah. and messaging on social media. So, but on that note, hope you guys have a really great week. And you know, let's go change the world one volunteer and one dollar at a time.